Welcome to another installment of New Books and Poetry's month-long celebration of the chapbook, Chapbook of Palooza. I am your host, Jen Fitzgerald. Heidi Serwick is a poet and essayist and serves as poetry editor at North Dakota Quarterly. She is the author of two recent chapbooks, A is for Ake, the Chinese Monster, and Sweet Crude, a Back and Boom Cycle. Her forthcoming collection with ELJ Publications is titled Maternal Imagination, and she is the editor of North Dakota is Everywhere, an anthology of contemporary North Dakota poets. She currently lives in Minneapolis. Visit her at HeidiSerwick.com. Today we will be discussing the chapbook Sweet Crude. Welcome, Heidi. Hi, glad to be here. So beyond the amazing writing and craft in this collection, um, this is necessary content for our nation's current events. Hopefully by now everyone knows about the Native American protests of the Dakota Access Pipeline that would pollute necessary water supplies and generally harm the environment of the area. This is compounded by the fact that Native sovereignty is being blatantly disregarded. Now, you have firsthand knowledge of this struggle in your former home state, would you like to tell us a little bit about the things that you witnessed that may have been the impetus for Sweet Crude? Um, well, Sweet Crude is more about the events of the back and oil field and the recent boom and then downturn that has led to the Dakota Access Pipeline that's affecting Standing Rock right now. Um, so the chapbook was an attempt to try to represent all of the interconnected issues that were facing uh, North Dakota and in particular Western North Dakota with the enormous influx of workers who were working on the boom, um, places that had populations of about 10,000 suddenly having about a million uh, and what that does to infrastructure, to uh, crime, to the the struggles between agriculture versus uh, oil drilling um, and all of these interrelated issues and a, a way to try to show how tied up together they are. Um, and then towards the end of writing this, the, the boom was already experiencing a downturn because of lowering oil prices. So there's some discussion of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's hear some of the writing, and then we can talk about your process. Would you please read sections four and five? Sure, I'd be happy to. Four. North Dakota is a foreign country, alien, a flyover state, even from space. When we show our foreign friend a photo of a satellite flyover, he's astonished. At nightfall, light clusters on the frozen prairie, Phantom City emerged from among the ghost towns, a blooming midnight meridian, stars in a lake of blackness, a constellation of ignited eyes. The natural gas that emerges alongside the oil costs more to capture than flare. The foreign companies that drill here burn money, a billion a year in flames and fines. A little Kuwait on the prairie whose dread watchfires smelter under the dark more brightly than Minneapolis, more broadly than Chicago. In winter, truckers cluster for warmth beneath the flares, which fling their flapping rags of fire six yards into space toward the stars and satellites and passing planes. Foreigner, flyover passenger, 
When you peer out your window, what do you see? What lies beneath you? Five, question, what lies beneath you? Answer, plowed prairie, aquifers left over from the jagged edge of Lake Agassiz's glacial age beneath that. Oil left over from before that, beneath that. Quote, North Dakota is not an industrial state and the likelihood of serious groundwater pollution resulting from industrial processes appears remote at this time. Groundwater is a renewable resource, unquote. USGS report 1983. Unless that resource is taken out of renewal, unless that millions of gallons are mixed with a proprietary blend of chemicals exempt from testimony in the Safe Drinking Water Act, a reference to the lethal in it, unless that mix is injected at high pressure into rock to fracture it, thereby forcing its oil to the surface, watch it darken and rise, Unless that water, now waste, is rejected, re-injected into disposal wells, unless that oil and wastewater is spilled, leaked, or dumped and contaminates streams and reservoirs, unless in 2011 the North Dakota legislature passes a bill that states, simply, fracking is safe. Any word to the contrary is poisoning the well, the water. Thank you very much. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your process, how you mixed lived experience with research and rendered it so lyrically? Uh, sure. Um, some colleagues of mine at the University of North Dakota, where I taught for years, um, were studying the back and oil boom and the man camps from numerous angles. So uh, a friend who worked in archaeology, uh, specifically of mining towns in ancient Greece, was fascinated with the, the man camps. Um, people in social work, sociology, art, uh, who were going out there and doing work. And the archaeologist, Phil Carher, was asking me, you should really come along and be writing about this. Um, so I did, and I was doing a lot of research, mostly from uh, local papers. I, I did look at some of the um, New York Times stories, Washington Post, some of the, the larger stories that were looking at um, the back and boom, but they had a much broader view and I was trying to look more at on the ground what was happening. Um, so going out there, which I hadn't been out there since before the boom, so it was crazy to see how much traffic there was on these little back highways etc. And in looking at all of these issues and being unable to see, like, what's the solution? There, there's no good way to be doing this. And it's affecting families. It's affecting water, agriculture, oil, um, the money that's tied up in it. Uh, so in trying to figure out how to write it, um, my background as a poet really helped because once I hit on the idea of trying to write a um, heroic crown of sonnets, uh, which is a structure of 15 sonnets where the last line of one becomes the first line of the next. And then there's a key sonnet made of all of the repeating lines. I thought that could work in prose by using lyric essays instead of sonnets and having each piece be 14 sentences long, with the last sentence becoming a version of the first sentence of the next piece. Um, and in that way, I could show all of the interconnected issues that were facing uh, the back end boom area. And then I, in addition to 
writing my own descriptions and observations. I also included a lot of information from the research that I did on the region, as well as uh, cutting in work that I had done from uh, doing erasures of Cormac McCarthy's work, in particular Blood Meridian, which is about violence in the West and seemed to tie in with the themes of Sweet Crude very well. Mm-hmm. I thought you handled all of the content expertly, and um, I mean, you know that I've been excited about your work in genre hybridity for quite some time. <laughs> yes. uh, so for the last portion, could you please read section 10? Sure. The toll of increased traffic, increased trafficking. When Indians were gifted the bad lands no one could grow or graze on, no one knew that beneath the badlands lay oil. Now money is coming in, drawn by the crude oil and the jobs to remove it. Now crime is coming in, drawn by the money and the crude patchwork of jurisdictions that operate there. Numbers that don't work for Indians on the Fort Berthold Reservation. The two tribal officers on duty who haven't left to run rigs. The one substance abuse treatment center with nine beds. 911. Operations Winter's End and Pipe Cleaner can't stop the pipeline of heroin and meth from Mexico. In 2012, in Newtown, a town known for maybe knife fights at worst, a meth-addled intruder butts into a home with a hunting rifle and into a grandmother and three kids with a hunting rifle, slender instrument bearing brute ceremony, before slitting his throat before deputies. A fourth child survives, hiding under his brother's body. This happens, too, more than we want to think. A native girl is seduced by her older boyfriend, her body bought and sold. She is confined to a kennel under a urine blanket and starved, kept high and compliant on heroin, brittle and shattered to a lull. She's called exotic, Indian princess, Polynesian, Asian, worth a premium, on Backpage.com's bill of particulars, easier than ordering a pizza. If she tries to get help, She might be beaten or killed by a pimp who is careless with women's bodies. If she tries to get help, she might be arrested in a state that couldn't care less about women's bodies, yet regulates them more often than oil. This is how the vulnerable survive, by lying under another body. What lies beneath you? This is happening to too many children. Thank you very much. So is there anything before we go that you would like to let readers know about this chapbook? Um, I I do think it's an important piece for understanding the background to what's going on in the back. And I think, as I've said before, that uh, North Dakota is last in the nation's imagination. It might as well have Here Be Dragons written on the map. And so I think people are aware of the back and boom, but don't really have any sense of how it's affecting the people living out there. Although I'm very encouraged by the effect that the Standing Rock protests are having having on this issue. I think it's drawing a lot of attention to it. Um, But yeah, I just, I hope that people (laughs) educate themselves Mm -hmm. about it. And if this can do it in a lyric way that makes it more interesting and palatable, I'm thrilled. Yes. um, And I encourage readers to go out and purchase a copy of this. We will have a link to that on the interview on um, newbooksandpoetry.com. So thank you, Heidi, for sharing your time and your work with us. Thank you so much. 
This has been Jen Fitzgerald with New Books and Poetry, reminding you to support all the arts, but especially poetry. Poetry.